It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, this weekend is certainly going to be a very, very busy one in parts of West Cork. And we are very much going to be focusing between 11 and 12 on remembering Michael Collins and also talking about some of the various events that are planned uh, across this weekend. And, you know, the speculations that over 5000 people will actually attend uh, next uh, Sunday's commemoration, which, of course, will be officially marking the 100th anniversary of the ambush and shooting dead of General Michael Collins at Bailnablaw. Now, this week on the programme, we had some people who live in the area or who pass by the Bailnablaw Memorial every morning, maybe going to and from work. And people were worried that the work that's been ongoing now for the last number of months, people were starting to worry that would it actually be uh, finished? Well, I see in the examiner this morning that Own English is writing that the finishing touches are being put in place to the restored monument. And actually our own Michael Scanlon from our head of sports here at C103 very kindly went out for us last night did a little video of the restoration works that's gone on in the area and we've put it up on our social media sites if anybody wants to uh, take a look at it. Now there has been some criticism of the work I know yesterday we were talking about the narrowing of the road and for people who live in the area saying that's sort of the stretch of road where trucks or tractors can pull in to allow other vehicles that build up behind them to pass. That's not going to happen now because the road has been narrowed but there has been resurfacing work done. There's the installation we're told of additional parking spaces Basis. There's also information maps and uh, guides. And Cork County Council tell us that the whole idea behind it is to make the area more visitor friendly. And it's hoped that the entire scheme is going to give visitors a chance to experience what the landscape was like 100 years ago in 1922 when the actual ambush took place. 
some people I think are going to be thrilled with what's happened but you will be others who don't like when there's any kind of change this memorial has been in place for almost a hundred years looked after by local people looked after by committees and you'll have people saying you know why don't why don't you leave it alone you could have cleaned it up did you really need to put all of this extensive work in but I suppose what Cork County Council will say and I know the Department of the Taoiseach was involved the Department of Defence was involved the Department of Tourism Culture Act and the Gwaeltog to all involved in this extensive work they'll all say it's about future proofing it for future uh, generations so anything it could be over 5,000 people will turn up next Sunday we will focus a little bit uh, later on in the programme on what's happening just to give advice if you are one of those people who is planning on going along the do's and the don'ts around parking I know for example there's a park and ride I think it's probably one of the best options if you are planning on attending what is going to be a very special event next um, uh, Sunday now the event on Sunday obviously that's going to be the highlight of what are many centenary uh, commemorations but then there's a raft of local events that are going on you have things from lectures documentary screenings there's a portrait unveiling and of course something I know that John Paul spoke about when I was off earlier on in the week there is a world record attempt for the most Michael Collins gathered in one spot and that is happening in uh, Noosestown and actually independent TD Michael Collins of course he's going to be the MC for the event who else would you have as MC and he also has a son who's called Michael Collins who's going to be one of the Michaels in attendance at O'Mahony's bar near uh, Noosestown and this uh, world record is also happening on uh, Sunday the hope is that all of the Michael Collins uh, that as many of them as possible will attend again they've no idea of knowing how many Michael Collins are going to turn up but every Michael Collins by the way that does turn up will get a commemorative a t-shirt, a certificate and a free drink in O'Mahony's bar near Nooses Town. So if you know of a Michael Collins anywhere else around the country, please let them know that this world record attempt is happening. And then in Cork City, the Imperial Hotel, uh, Hotel, which of course was where Michael Collins spent his last two nights. Uh, The room that he was in, room 115, that's been fully uh, restored and it's been restored to the style and luxury of 19 the 1920s that sort of in keeping with the style of what it would have been like 100 years ago when Michael Collins would have spent his last two nights uh, alive would have been spent in that room in the Imperial uh, Hotel they're going to officially unveil that's the Michael Collins suite at the weekend and it's actually been done by members of the Collins family which I think is a a rather nice touch Uh, Michael Collins grand niece Fidelma Collins and his grand nephew Adrian O'Sullivan, they will also unveil a new portrait of Michael Collins, which will be hung in the hotel lobby. They'll do that on Monday. And of course, Monday is the actual official is the anniversary is the 100th anniversary. And then they and others are going to retrace Michael Collins final journey to West Cork. So there's a lot of things happening. And as I say, we'll talk more about it on the programme uh, today and also trying to talk about, I suppose, Michael Collins. What would Michael Collins make of 
the Ireland of today, how different would Ireland have been had the ambush not taken place? And if Michael Collins had lived, what influence would he have had on Ireland going forward? If you have any thoughts to share, we'd love to hear from you. If you were tuned our way yesterday, we were in undated with calls and comments from listeners when I mentioned a piece that was uh, making the front page of the Irish Independent uh, yesterday. And it was from a number of Fine Gael sources, the suggestion that in the budget next September next month's budget that the jobs seekers allowance wouldn't be included in the increase the social welfare increase you know and there's much speculation the social welfare increase will go up by 15 euro in next month's budget and the idea from Fianna Gael was give it to everyone else on social welfare give it to the carers give it to the old age pensioners give it to people on disability but don't give it to people on uh, job seekers allowance the theory being that it disincentivizes advises people to return to work if you keep giving them increases in their social welfare payment. So as I say we had a very busy show yesterday with people a very a lot of people agreeing with uh, Fine Gael uh, and saying yes they're right don't incentivize people to stay at home and then others obviously people who are drawing job seekers allowance saying it's very hard to live on 208 euro a week and they're hoping that if it's a 15 euro across the board that they will get it as well now it's been picked up in other papers today the examiner for example they're saying that Fianna Fáil has shot down uh, they're saying it's it's divisive and it's unproductive Fianna Gael's proposal to single out job seekers in the budget one Fianna Fáil minister claimed singling out job seekers for different treatment could become quite a divisive issue an issue like that says this person just grabs headlines at the end of the day payment of 208 euro a week nobody's getting rich on that the focus says the source from Fianna Fáil should be helping people who are unemployed to get back into the labour force singling them out for different treatment is something that this source thinks would be seen as quite divisive and not necessarily productive. And the Green Party is also at odds with Fine Gael on the job seekers allowance issue, claiming a substantial increase in the basic rate of social protection payments as well as targeted supports will be required in the upcoming budget. And they are saying that this substantial increase, they don't say how much they feel the substantial increase should be, but they say it should be given to everyone uh, right across the board who are receiving a social welfare payment. But then the Irish Times are leading with the prospect of the across the board 15 euro increases to weekly welfare payment is receding amid concerns that if the government do decide to go with 15 euro for everyone on social welfare payment, that it is going to have a bigger impact on the 6.7 billion euro budget package. Senior sources across government say a more likely option at this juncture was a welfare package that included an across the board increase but at a lower level and then you would back that up by more targeted increases to other payments and some of those one-off measures can come from the one billion that they're talking about. That's the money that's intended for in-year cost of living policies. They're one-off payments like the things, the electricity allowance or giving extra on the fuel allowance just for uh, this year. So they're saying that's the way to go. Across the board, core weekly increases are costly, says one uh, source. They were 
there will have to be a core weekly increase but the higher you go with that the less then you have for more targeted measures and the less you have to give to other government departments and of course all government departments as they do every year for the budget they all scramble they all put forward reasons why their department and why their schemes are necessary in their department and why they uh, w- why they need it so the latest now with a figure the, the figure now that's been mooted is 10 euro a week rather than 15 euro a week and that would be to the job seekers it would also be to the old age pensioners the carers the disabled the widows uh, etc so they're saying so th- this is another suggestion that's been looked at don't go with 15 go with 10 euro instead and then back that up with other targeted increases and the targeted increase they're talking would be increases to the fuel allowance increases to things like the living alone uh, allowance that obviously only some people get some coalition figures believe that at the moment a 10 euro increase is most likely to be to all payments to most payments but Irish Times are saying that some sources within the coalition are again saying that you give it to all of the different social welfare recipients but that you will give a lower rate to the job seekers allowance and again the Irish Times is quoting this that it's providing a disincentive uh, to uh, work so it does still very much look like they are going to be on a little bit of a collision course the coalition when they sit down to finally put the final touches to next month's budget 0818 103 103 I just don't know I think the fact that the 15 euro has been bandied about now for quite some time I think a lot of people who are relying solely on social welfare are almost banking on the extra 15 euro so I take it the old age pensioners the carers the disability sector won't be happy if that 15 euro instead reverts to 10 euro but of course we won't know exactly how much the figure is we know it certainly is going to be more than the one for everybody in the audience when the fiver was given out at most years in the budget for the last couple of years it certainly is going to be more than that but will it now just be 10 euro rather than 15 euro we're really going to have to wait until budget day at the end of September and of course today Final day here on the programme where we're giving you a chance to win with Specsavers Hearing, celebrating Ireland's reopening with tickets to great events and experience. You can today for the final time win your way to see Tommy Tiernan live at the Cork Opera House in October. You and a friend, plus there's a €100 Greens restaurant voucher. Specsavers, they have expert audiologists in all of their Specsavers stores and Specsavers Audiology. They're bringing back the sounds you missed the most and the will be a sound, a word missing from an audio clip from Tommy Tiernan later on on the programme. If you can identify the missing word, we will be asking you to send the word along with your name and address by WhatsApp or text to 0862. 103 103 and your chance to win tickets to see Tommy Tiernan live at the Cork Opera House in October and the 100 euro green voucher thanks to Specsavers hearing all coming up later on in the programme John Paul taking your calls 0818 103 103 Cork today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie 
Despite recent heavy rain following last week's heat wave, some areas of the country are still on a watch list by Irish Water. So to talk about the need to conserve water, especially in parts of West Cork, I'm joined by Richard O'Hara, who is a communications lead with Irish Water. Good morning to you, Richard. Good morning, Patricia. And you're very welcome to the programme. Now, even though we heard there was biblical rainfall in some parts of the country, why are some areas still under severe pressure? Yeah, well, look, it's a fair fair thing to say there was biblical rain in some parts of the country. But uh, as you mentioned, most of our supplies, the 750 water treatment plants we have around the country are doing fine. Um, however, we have 37 schemes in drought and 69 are potential droughts around the country and parts or most of West Cork are in uh, severe depletion of their water supplies. So you mentioned there the heavy rainfall and just to put it into context for you, um, we only had like 1.44 millimetres of rainfall last Sunday um, in the Rochestown uh, area of Cork. So. Um, Ro- Roach's point, sorry. So that, that gives you an indication of, although it might be biblical in certain areas, um, it, it's very few and far between in West Cork. So today, Irish Water making a strong and urgent appeal to the people of West Cork to make every effort they can to conserve water because um, the drought conditions are, are continuing. And as Met Aidan has forecasted, uh, there's to be very little rain, if any, in West Cork over the next two weeks. Yeah, and if anything, this, there, we're, we're going to get you know exceptionally dry weather uh, at, at, throughout the rest of August and even into September. So that obviously is just going to add to the worries. So are there certain parts of West Cork, uh, Richard, that you're most concerned about? Well, yes, I suppose uh, we are. Um, there are nighttime restrictions in Clonakilty and uh, Cape Clear, for example, and Skibbereen is under severe pressure also. But What we're saying really, Patricia, is we're appealing to everybody in West Cork and Cork in general, really, but West Cork in particular, where we're seeing an extreme kind of nearly a perfect storm where uh, it's it's already a very busy area for for tourism. Uh, The weather is also obviously exacerbating things. And when the two come together, that sees a very high demand on water supply issues. Um, And like since November 2021, rainfall in West Cork has been uh, below average for every month apart from June. So this really, really impacts on water sources. And although we might get a bit of rain, uh, you need really constant rain for water supply sources to, to replenish. It takes about six to eight weeks for um, certain sources to, to, uh, to replenish fully. So we're asking people in West Cork to just to be mindful um, of how they use their water and to, to please be cognizant of it because we need water for um, you know, businesses and homes every day. And we want to make sure that, that those businesses and homes have it. So by 
people taking small little measures at home and in the garden and on the farm, uh, we, we can cut back our usage and make sure there's there's that bit more left for everybody. Because if conditions don't improve and if anything, if the drought worsens, could we expect water restrictions like those nighttime outages in other areas? <clears throat> well, we're we're working very hard with our co- colleagues in Cork County Council, who I, I must pay tribute to um, at this point. We're working, you know, night and day to try and make sure that the water supplies are um, managed and monitored. But if if we don't see, um, uh, we don't want to get to that point, obviously. But if we, we sometimes we don't have a choice um, to ensure that we have plentiful supply for daytime use when when most people are using it. Um, there may be a need to, you know, tweak certain supplies, maybe introduce some nighttime restrictions uh, and um, just so that we, we can have plentiful supply during the day. So th- your message today, Richard, is really for people just to be mindful and, you know, the basic things like, you know, forget about washing the car f- for the moment, taking the shorter showers and just any water that you have, reuse it where possible. Absolutely, Patricia. Yeah. So we're just asking people to be sensible, to be mindful um, to to think about others as well, because like I said, uh, you know, you you might want to go and fill the paddling pool that takes 5000 litres of water. Um, but that might put the supply for, you know, really people who might need it more than yourself under severe pressure. So we're, we're asking people to be to be mindful. Like you said, we have loads of brilliant tips on our um, website, water.ie forward slash conservation for, um, you know, cutting back in the home, on the farm uh, and outside in the garden as well. And I know it can be daunting for people to, 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 you know, where do we start? How do we cut back on water? What can we do to help? But there are loads of little simple tips uh, on the website. For example, like you mentioned yourself, you know, um, turning off the tap when you're brushing your teeth, taking those shorter showers, checking for leaks, um, and all those other little things. If you can recycle water as well, use a basin in your in your sink while you're cleaning your dishes, and you can use that water for your for your flowers that are so precious for people as well. So look, there are simple things we can do, but we are really, really uh, asking the people of West Cork to please conserve water and to keep it at the forefront of your mind that water is for everybody. It's so important, and if we pull together now. Uh, we hopefully uh, won't need to bring in more restrictions or anything like that. And my thanks there to uh, Richard O'Hara. I actually spoke to, that was a pre-recorded piece I did with Richard because uh, unfortunately uh, nobody from Irish Water uh, was available to talk to us live. So my thanks to uh, Richard O'Hara, who's the communications lead with Irish Water. And by the way, at the end of that interview, I did ask him about the boil water notice uh, for the good people of Kilavollen because I mentioned to him the fact that I had seen that the water advisory body was concerned this week at the, the number of long-term boil water notices. I mean, for example, the people in Whitechurch, and that was nearly 10,000 people were affected in East Cork. There was a boil water notice put in place in the on the Whitegate public water supply. It was put in place on Christmas Day of last year, and that was only lifted on the 3rd of June. So that went on for six months. And then I was when I knew I was going to be talking with Irish Water this morning, I was looking up at the Kilavollen boil water notice. That was put in place on the 28th of February. So that's also nearly six months in place. So I did ask uh, Richard 
Richard, did he have an update? And he said he didn't have an update except to say that they are working hard to try to rectify uh, the situation. And the Irish Water have always uh, said for the areas that are still affected with boil water notices, they have plans to address the underlying issues and put in place long term sustainable solutions to remove the restrictions and prevent any reoccurrence into the future. Uh, but it's really, really frustrating for anyone that's on a boil water notice. And the one thing that I really feel for people, I mean, besides the inconvenience of having to boil all of your water, with the cost of electricity at the moment, people's electricity bills, I mean, if they're boiling water, if they're boiling kettles or if they're boiling saucepans of water on their gas cooker on their electric cooker you can imagine the extra cost that it's putting on those individual households then for other households when there's boiled water notices they opt to buy bottled water instead so it's a, it's, it is a big big uh, expense so unfortunately I didn't have an update on the kilovolum boiled water notice except that we know it is still in place and then running on our news service uh, was a piece about the discoloration of water on the South Douglas Road when Eleanor and Montanati was on to us and heard with interest the piece about the South Douglas Road she said that they're living in the Montanati area and for the past two weeks they've also noticed a discoloration in their water so we're going to get on to Irish Water just to see if while they're looking at the situation in the South Douglas Road are they also looking at the situation in Montanati for the, the discoloured water and there's nothing worse than turning on your tap and going to pour a nice cold glass of water and it is discoloured and if it's been going on for the last two weeks it meant it would have been going on this time last week when we were right in the middle of the heat wave. 0818 103 103 I mentioned the works that are going on in Bale and and all of the works are everybody reckons everything's going to be finished for uh, Sunday. Teresa was on and uh, to to ponder and wonder why all this work has been done around the memorial in Bailnablaw. She's not happy with it, not in favour of what she describes as a concrete and very high wall. What now, and we discussed this yesterday on the programme, when you're driving past on the roadway, you can you can no longer see it from your car because of this wall that's in, in the way. And that's, I think, is the whole idea. They want people to stop and to look at the monument, you know, to get out of your car, park up and, and go and take a look at the monument. But traditionally what has happened for almost 100 years is people passing by were able to see the monument from their car. But with the work that's been done, that's no longer possible. She's also noted that they've cleared away all of the ditches, but she wants to know why are they allowed to do that? Because, of course, we're right in the middle of the nesting season for birds and people are not allowed to cut hedges and ditches is it one law for some and another law for others Theresa not happy with the works that have got on in Bail and Law 0818 103 103 when I mentioned the commemoration that we'll talk about a little bit more in the programme later on somebody says so is the Michael Collins commemoration this Sunday the 21st and not next Sunday the 28th absolutely it's this Sunday the 21st it's not the following uh, Sunday I also mentioned what they're trying to do in Newcestown to gather as many people with the name Michael Collins as possible and they're hoping to set a world record. Dara in Bantry said there was a Michael Collins on the Apollo 11 mission to the moon back in 1969. It's a pity that he passed away last year as I'm sure he would have gone out of his way to be in Newcestown this uh, weekend. And yes, of course, you're right. Michael Collins was one of the three crew members on the first manned mission to the moon. He died in April of last year. He was 90. And of course, that Michael Collins was known 
as the loneliest man in history. He was the pilot of the Apollo 11 uh, mission, which put humans on the moon for the first time. And although he didn't become the household name like his crewmates of Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, Michael Collins contributed to the mission. His contribution was just as important as his colleagues, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, descended onto the surface of the moon that Michael Collins piloted the command module Columbia and he ended up spending close to 28 hours alone in orbit. And that's why he was described as the loneliest man in uh, history. So I'm sure, yeah, if he was alive, hale and hearty, he'd love to have been involved in that world record for the most Michael Collins to gather in one place. You can text her WhatsApp to 08. Thank you, by the way, to Darren Butterman for that. You can, Aaron Bantry, you can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. According to a new survey by the AA, people would rely less on their vehicles if public transport was improved. To discuss the survey and to chat about a fall in petrol and diesel prices, I'm joined by Head of Communications at the AA, and that is Paddy Common. Good morning, Chipaddy. Good morning, how are you? I'm, I'm very well, thank you. Now, firstly, petrol and diesel prices thankfully falling at the pumps but still higher than say they were even more this time last year yeah, they're higher than they were earlier this year um, Patricia, I mean I guess it's good news insofar as we're seeing quite a significant reduction over the past even three four weeks we are it's down about 30 cents a litre from say first of July which is good and and um but look, we were we still would have been talking about high record fuel prices back as far as March if we were seeing these prices. So, but look, it's going in the right direction. It's you know people, often people are saying, look, we're seeing the price of a barrel of oil dropping significantly. Why aren't they dropping even further? There's lots of reasons for that. You know, currency is a factor as well as um, as well as the fact that some of the oil refineries are making more profits than they were before. But look, it's, at least it's going in the right direction. So maybe there is a glimmer of light ahead. Is there still value in shopping around? I think in, in Cork in particular, there there seems to have been quite a few uh, retailers doing their best to keep prices low in order to get people in the door. And, and you know, we did see lots of areas in Cork with queues outside because there were um, because there were so many people trying to queue up and buy by uh, by the product. But but look, it, it's um, it, it's it's. It's wise to shop around if you're going to fill the tank fully. Otherwise, it's probably a negligible difference. Yeah, it's, it's just keep an eye on if you're driving around. Keep an eye on, yeah, on, exactly. on, on the prices. And as you mentioned, I mean, the global crude oil prices have uh, fallen uh, sharply. Do, do you think we can expect further falls in, in, in the coming weeks? Well, look, it's always tricky to, to, to predict, and you know, to predict fuel, fuel prices. But look, if, if the price of the barrel of oil drops, Significantly, you will see an effect. Um, you will see an effect uh, coming down. But uh, you know, uh, uh, for now, I think the prices are starting to settle a bit. But uh, but really, look at it, you know, for now, for now they've settled. But you know, if I think the price of oil is is reducing, so we should see a little bit of a reduction. Do you expect the emergency reduction in fuel excise to be extended in next month's budget? Yes, is the short answer. I, I think I think you know there will be some sort of a measure uh, in 
the budget coming up, which is obviously, as you know, September now, earlier than, than before. So I think we will see a reduction uh, or say, see, see some sort of a measure. If it's not on VAT, which it seems unlikely, there might be something in excise, but it didn't have a massive effect when it, when it happened in March or, or when it happened in April last year. It, it, you know, it was pretty much absorbed straight away. I think a, a VAT reduction, if there was one, would be more significant um, to take the pressure off. And, you know, obviously... In other countries, uh, you know, I've seen recently in Croatia where they had a cap on the price of fuel for uh, for a temporary measure for some time. But um, but no, look, I, I think there ho- hopefully there will be something. But I, I wouldn't get people's hopes up too too okay, much. Okay, but but at least the, all the indications are that they would at least extend that reduction that's in place with the is it the twenty cent on petrol and fifteen cent on diesel. Yeah, it, it looks it looks likely. It looks certainly yeah. looks likely, and that and that, that does give us um, some sort of a breathing space, if nothing else. Okay, now your survey on public transport, Paddy. No surprise to hear a big difference in attitudes to public transport when you talk to people who live in a rural area versus somebody who lives in an urban area. Yeah, look, this this you know it's not rocket science. This one, but we, you know we know that. People who live in urban areas um, are much better served than rural areas, and this is something that we in the AA have been banging on about for for some time. But 87% of the respondents of 4,200 people said that there was a huge difference between public transport options in rural and urban areas. So, you know, if if you were living in an urban area, 47% of people said that they did have access to public transport, or decent access. It was only 8%. In rural areas, so they did. 16% of the respondents said they had absolutely no access to public transport, which is just an alarming number. And I think, you know, I'd imagine a lot of your listeners would subscribe to that thought as well, because um, once you, you know, it's all very well when you're in Dublin city centre and you have a Lewis and a Dart and a Dublin bikes and the like, but if it's when you get out of the pale and you start to, to realise that there's just um, you know, there might be a service, but it might not bring you back within the same mm. time frame of your working hours. So, um, so look, something has to improve in that regard. Yeah, and it's you know, it's really frustrating when when you look at how expensive petrol and diesel is. If you're living in a rural area with the car parked outside the door, and there might be two cars because husband and wife both going to work in different directions, they have absolutely no choice. Well, that's the issue is because, you know, it's all very well. The government are making lots of noise about getting us out of our cars and, and cycling and like lovely notions, but not always practical. If, you know, if you're bringing kids to school or looking after elderly relatives, you have no option in lots of cases to use your car. And we were at a stage earlier on in the year where it was costing the average motorist almost nine or almost 800 euro rather in just in fuel alone than they were the year before. So adding that sort of a, a cost to a family expenditure is is, is crazy. And, and and let's look at the, and often it's it's you know these statements are made in Dublin and uh, people in the rest of the country are sort of rolling their eyes. Mm-hmm. And I mean when you talk about that cost, that's with everything else going up as well. It's not just fuel. Yeah, e- dropping the ocean. Yeah, yeah. Dropping the ocean compared to the rest of of, of the fuel of the prices we're facing in terms of cost of living. Did, when you did your survey, did people talk about the cost of public transport? Was that a factor in, in any they, way for they, those who do have said, public transport? Yeah, yeah. people said that they would like to, well, certainly 26% said more funding was needed, but um, 30% said cheaper fares were needed to be introduced. Like we have, in fairness to the government, seen a reduction in, in public transport uh, as a result. You know, there was a 20% reduction 
not so long ago. So, uh, you know, I, certainly some uh, I try and use public transport where I can, and I have noticed the price is coming down. I think some of your listeners who do have access will have noticed that. Um, I don't think cost is the major issue for people in terms of public transport. I think it, it's you know, if you... Yeah, if you use it, it is, you know, if you have access to it, you'll find it's a lot cheaper now than trying to fill your car, etc. That's the issue with competition. Yeah, it's and, then, and then COVID, that's had an impact. Has it on people using public transport? Of course it has, yeah, because there, there is still a hesitancy. And, and, you know, we have to obviously say, look, COVID hasn't gone away. And, and, and you know, coming into the winter months again, it, it may rear its head to some degree. Um, but yeah, there is a hesitancy. We know that people haven't gone fully back to public transport en masse in the way that they did, uh, you know, if, in the way they used it before. So there are there is a hesitancy and, and a rightful he- hesitancy for some people who maybe have sick or elderly or vulnerable relatives that they don't want to expose themselves to potentially catching, you know, what is a virus that is still around. Okay. All right. Listen, uh, Paddy, we thank you for that and thanks for taking time out to join us today. Take care. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Paddy Common there, who is Head of Communications at AA Ireland. Veronica on our Twitter at C103 Cork on Public Transport. Give more resources to services like West Cork Connect and transports like that. Independent transport companies across uh, West Cork, if they gave more like that in other rural areas that would really help us. Erin is not going to change at this stage or not going to improve in order to uh, facilitate people living in rural areas. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And I've been asked to give a mention to a summer festival that's happening tomorrow, the Coins Summer Festival. Uh, and it is happening tomorrow at St. Finbar's GAA Club in Toker. And it's organised by, uh, I've I'm, I'm got a note in to say, it's organised by our lovely frontline hero nurses from India who live and work in Cork across all of our hospitals and nursing homes. And they've organised this Coins Summer Festival for 2022. It's described as so beautiful and so colourful and everyone is welcome to come along and they've got something for the kiddies they've loads of food stalls and they've lots then of events including wonderful dance there's karaoke singing and there's even a talent show going on and it is on tomorrow kicks off at half past 11 tomorrow morning running through on till 9 o'clock tomorrow night St Finbar's GA Club in Toker if you want to go along and celebrate with all of the Indian nurses who are all based living and working here in the Cork area. We wish them luck with that tomorrow. Now, lots of commentary coming in. Firstly, um, the budget, what's expected in the budget when it comes to social welfare payments and in particular, will the social welfare payments be across the board for everyone or will those job seekers, those on job seekers allowance, what seem the long term unemployed, will they see no increase in their weekly payment or will they see a reduced, uh, a reduced increase? John Incove said, didn't the Fianna Gael party pay double wages with the COVID supports in that it was €350 a week was paid to people to stay at home and not work. Now the same party appeared to be doing the opposite by not giving anyone who's out looking for work any additional money in the budget. Seems very unfair on those who are trying to survive on job seekers allowance. Well it wouldn't have been the Fianna Gael party on its own who put the €350 COVID support in place but I, I very much see the point you're making. But that was, they 
would say very different time. People were staying at home, didn't want to stay at home, but weren't able to go to work because of COVID. Tony said, if you want to be fair to everyone, then he feels the all of the increases should go to the old age pensioners. The old age pensioners, he reckons, deserves an increase of at least 65 euro. And that would be paying back to the old age pensioners what they didn't get for previous budgets. Donny is the calculator right and he reckons over the last eight years they didn't get increases. Now I don't know I, I don't know what your facts and your figures are on this one Donny but anyway he reckons that to bring old age pensioners back up to where they should be they should be receiving 65 euro a week he feels that will be the fairest way to do it because he said civil servants who took a cut in their pay they got their money back why not give it back to the old age pensioners. I mentioned fuel allowance and there is talk of an increase in fuel allowance but of course whenever you mention fuel allowance and I constantly say it whenever we have anybody on talking about an increase in fuel allowance not everyone who receives the social welfare payment receives the fuel allowance and that includes not all uh, OAPs receive the fuel allowance and Kitty is, is in that particular bracket she said I don't qualify for the fuel allowance why I'm told I'm 50 euro over the threshold because the fuel allowance is means tested when I rang I was told by the social welfare it's because I have a maintenance allowance of 150 euro and 50 euro of that is pushing me over the limit for the fuel allowance currently I am buying offers on timber and other fuel etc because when it comes to heating my home I am fearful as we head into the winter that I won't be able to afford it. If the threshold for the fuel allowance was changed it would really help the likes of me and others like me. Also for workers many are working in jobs for 20 years or more and still only earning a minimum wage. Something needs to be done for workers in the private sector as well. There has been talks and rumours that they might look at the fuel allowance and see if it can be extended Kitty so kind of watch this space again we're going to have to wait to see what gets announced in the budget but look you might be the fact that you're only a little bit 50 euro isn't a lot to be over on a means tested payment but unfortunately that happens in so many different cases when it comes to anything that is means tested so it is certainly it's something that I've seen spoken about so there might be changes coming your way uh, Kitty. Laura says that she was surprised to hear the Thornish uh, Leo Varadkar single out those on job seekers allowance she thought it was actually discrimination against the long term unemployed how would he like to live on the job seekers allowance of 280 euro a week indeed says Laura she feels for all of those in opposition if they would try living on it then they would know. She also wants to see help for workers by doing away with the US USE charge. USC charge. It's so difficult for people who are paying all of their taxation, etc. Something needs to be done to help those who are out at work. Hi Patricia, stop all of their payments. This is to the long term unemployed. By doing that, they'll soon find a job, says a texter. No name on that text. Hi Patricia, it's sad that they can give money to unemployed people, but they can't give additional money to teachers. Teachers are still fighting for an increase. Someone else says, strap the saddle onto the working man and woman and more free money for social welfare isn't it a great country in which we live? Okay, that's just some of 
your calls and comments coming in on what is expected in the budget. We spoke about public transport in the last hour with the AA and their survey showing the divide on people's attitude to public transport if you're in an urban area versus a rural area. In fairness to Patty Cullman, he said it wasn't rocket science. They weren't expecting the results to be any other way. But Mary says, Patricia, we would love to use public transport as we are adjacent to an urban area, i.e. Grange Ovens area, which has a great public transport system. But unfortunately, there's nowhere to park a car while we are in Cork City or Ballancolic. There's only a few spaces available outside people's houses in the area, which are not even designated for public parking. There is waste ground nearby, which could easily be converted into some kind of a park and ride scheme, even if it was at a small fee. Otherwise, public transport on our road is all but nil to us. I'm enjoying your programme. That's from Mary. Thank you for that, Mary. On Bail Nablaw and Michael Collins, and we're going to be talking more about that in this hour. Michael says, Patricia, in 1921, the Dáil voted to accept the treaty. Uh, Eamon de Valera didn't accept democracy and walked out of the Dáil, and that plunged the country into civil war. That, says Michael, was his legacy, a legacy in which uh, Michael Collins was slain in Bail Nablaw on the 22nd of August 1922 by an unknown gunman. General Collins will never be forgotten in this country on that fateful day. He was on his way to Cork to meet another famous man to discuss peace. The famous Tipperary man, the Galtee mountain boy Dan Breen, was en route to meet Michael Collins. Had that meeting taken place? we could very well have had a very different Ireland today. Some of those people today claiming his name wouldn't be fit to lace one of his boots. May their souls rest in peace. And Michael also says that very few people speak of Sean Collins. Sean Collins, of course, brother of Michael Collins. He was one of the most brilliant orators you would ever you would ever ask to uh, hear and he's not spoken enough about. And actually somebody else wants us to remember somebody else who doesn't get as much coverage as say Michael Collins uh, gets. This is Noel in Kilmurray. Says uh, Patricia whilst we rightly will commemorate the death of Michael Collins this weekend if you get a chance could you mention the name of Michael Galvin a local IRA volunteer who was shot dead at the Lizarda ambush on the 22nd of August in 1920. Both Bailnablaw and Lizarda are in the same parish of Kilmurray. His memory is sometimes overshadowed by the Bailnablaw commemoration, but like Michael Collins, he paid the ultimate price in Ireland's fight for freedom. Many thanks. That's from Noel and Kilmurray. Thank you, uh, Noel, for that. Keep your thoughts and comments uh, coming in. And just on a landline, this is kind of back in on the budget as well. Janice was on to say many people now and this has been happening over the last number of years, they're getting rid of their landline, you know, people cutting down on expenses coming into the house. But with all the talk of the budget, Janice wonders, would the powers that be ever consider giving back the free rental scheme for land for landlines to OAPs? She reckons it would make a huge difference. Many connect their personal alarms through their landline, but without a landline, they're not able to do it. Well, they are because there are some personal alarms that you can do through your mobile. I know at one stage there wasn't, but I know that has been changed. But I know the point you're making. A lot of people use the landline for their personal alarms. She also feels that elderly people should have a landline in their house rather than a mobile home. 
with and there's talks of power cuts as we head into the winter you could have a situation where somebody's mobile isn't uh, mobile phone isn't charged whereas at least with the landline if the phones when the lights go out the landline will still work she feels it should be a necessity for people living alone and that's something she would like to see included in in um any budget negotiations that are going on. 0818-103-103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. And we start with our own C103 and 96FM. We're hiring a junior sales executive. CVs, please, to hrmanager at c103.ie. A carpenter is wanted for indoor work in Cork City. You must have your own tools. CVs, please, to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. General labourers are required to work in the North Cork area. You need to be over 25 full clean driver's licence and experience please with painting. Now full and part time positions are available 087 7566524 and please call after 7pm and Springford Hall in Mallow they've got vacancies for a full time night porter and a receptionist full training will be provided CVs to marcella at springford slash hall dot com or you can call them 022 21278 and you'll find all of the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Now, as we've already mentioned this morning with the centenary commemoration of the death of General Michael Collins taking place next Sunday at the monument in Bailenham Law, it's timely for us this morning to talk a little bit about the big fella. Joining me is Tim Crowley and Tim runs the Michael Collins Centre in uh, Clonakilty. Good morning to you, Tim. Good morning, Patricia. How are you getting on? I'm, I'm doing well and you're very welcome to the programme. I suppose, firstly, tell me your own family connections. You're directly related to Michael Collins. Well, as we say, we share a droppy, a droppy in of common blood um, after, after 100 years of after stretching out a bit. Um, I suppose, my, um, the best way to explain it, my great-grandmother was Marianne McCarthy and she was the second cousin of Marianne O'Brien who was the mother of Michael Collins. Okay. So, obviously, after 100 years of stretching out a bit, but it, it, my grandmother in particular was always very proud and always talking about the connection. So, um, it, it, it is there. Yeah, so you would have grown up listening to her stories? We would have, yeah. yeah. And uh, I suppose, um, you know, when I got a bit older then, I started reading up about him. Um, I'm a kind of a, that's the way my brain is wired. I, I suppose I'm a historian by nature. And uh, you start reading history books, uh, this guy jumps out at you, you know, as, a, as an extraordinary figure. So talk to me a little bit about what you think Michael Collins, what, what, what he was doing in the days leading up to the ambush and what, what was his mindset like and what, what do you think was going through his mind on, say, this day 100 years ago? Um, I, I'd say he had, from what we know about the history of the time, a mixture of feelings. Um, first of all, he, was probably, he, was sad, he would have been sad, I think, because... First of all, a great friend of his, um, um, Harry Boland, who had died on the, on the, around the 1st of August, fighting on the anti-treaty side in the Civil War. Uh, as you probably know, he, he, um, he and Collins were great friends, especially in 1917, 18, and, and all and those years. And, and then, of course, they were love rivals for, for Kitty Kiernan as well. And uh, we know that that had a, had a, um, a 
tough um, hard effect on, on Michael Collins when, when he heard that Harry had been killed. And then, of course, Arthur Griffith, his, his great friend who had signed a treaty with Michael Collins, um, died of a brain hemorrhage in, in Dublin about 10 days uh, be, before um, Michael Collins himself was, was killed in, here in West Cork. So from that point of view, we know he wasn't in, in, in great form, but as well as that, then we think his health wasn't great. There is references to him having some kind of a flu or a cold, possibly a kidney infection as well, uh, going around West Cork on, on, on the, the day that he was killed. People that, that met him commented that he seemed to be sniffling and coughing a bit. But then uh, on the other side, of course, the, the Civil War, from his point of view, was going well. Um, this was the, the 22nd of August, his final uh, journey. And the, the civil war started two months before in Dublin on the 28th of June with the bombardment of the forecourt. So you're talking seven, eight weeks into the civil war when he came down on his final journey. But uh, Collins' army basically had the anti-treaty IRA basically kind of driven down into parts of Cork and Kerry. And they'd landed troops off of ships along the south coast in, in the, the weeks prior to Collins coming down as well. So uh, to most neutral observers at the time, it looked as if the civil war would be over, but with the Collins with his side having won it by, by, the, by the following Christmas. But of course, after Collins was killed, then the Civil War took a completely different direction. Mm. The, the gloves came off and, and things got, got very nasty. And do you think he was close to negotiating peace? Well, there, there is, that's one of, I suppose, there's a couple of theories as to why he came down, or a couple of reasons. As Commander-in-Chief of the National Army, he wanted to see himself what the situation was like on the ground. We know the day before he um, was killed, he spent going around to banks in Cork City trying to um, trace anti-treaty funds to starve them of their money as well as attacking them militarily. And then there is the theory that he was trying to negotiate um, with, not to meet anti-treaty um, officers to secretly negotiate a quick end to the civil war. Uh, now, there is a few little bits of evidence that suggest that might have um, been the case, but nothing really concrete from, from what I've come across over the years. Was he fearful of an ambush and that he could be, and was he fearful that he could be shot dead at any time? Um, I, I think he, he probably was, but sure, I mean, that's the type of life he led throughout the War of Independence in, in, in Dublin as well. Every day going around cycling a bicycle and he being searched at checkpoints by black and tans and, and so on. And um, so many escapes going out through skylights and roofs of houses and all this kind of carrying on. I mean, that's the kind. That's the way he was, um, and 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 he actually said to um, Kitty Kieran in one of his last letters, "I hope you'll forgive me for the, for going around the way I am, but I, that's the way I that, that's that's the way I am, and I can't do anything else." So um, you know, he, he went through West Cork on that journey that day, and he was warned by a good few people, including his own brother Johnny, over at Sam's Cross at around six o'clock that evening. For God's sake, Michael, when you get into the armoured car, don't somebody shoot you? And, and Michael turned around and he laughed and he said, he pointed to the yellow touring car here. He said, no, this is my bus. They're not going to shoot me in my own county. Um, so, you know, the, the, this, this man, kind of, um, the way he uh, his mind operated, was uh, different to, to ordinary people, I think. And yeah, and, and he, t- he seemingly did say to somebody, if we are ambushed, we'll, we'll stand and fight. Yeah, the, the, that's what Emmett Dalton said afterwards. The officer that was travelling around with him in the back seat that when they were coming out from Bandon, and that um, if we are ambushed, well, then we, we will stop and fight. And, and, and seemingly quite close to Bairn Lebrun that, that um, evening, um, Dalton noticed that Michael Collins leant down and he picked his rifle off the floor of the car and put it up in his lap. And then, of course, when the um, when they reached Bairn Lebrun then, and the windscreen of, of the touring car was shattered and the side panels were hit with bullets. 
Dalton gave the order, drive like hell. He roared at the driver to keep going and kind of countermanded. He said, no, stop and we'll fight them. If only they had driven on. Yeah, well, the, we would meet a lot of military here in the museum from, from time to time, and they say it's standard practice in any army to, um, to, to drive, drive, drive. Yeah, to yeah. Up on an ambush, yeah. Yeah. All right, and for those, and, and many people are planning on heading to uh, West Cork this weekend to remember Michael Collins, talk to us about the, the standout sites that people should visit, that you would recommend people should visit. Well, I suppose, um, you know, no Bay on the Blanc itself, I'm not too sure what it's like today, but over the last two days, they were still putting the finishing touches to the um, the memorial there, uh, to the new the development and, and, and uh, so the renovation. So, But when that's open, obviously that, that's uh, been a very important site, um, the, the ambush site itself. Michael Collins' birthplace then at um, Woodfield um, is, is a very special place. It doesn't get a huge amount of publicity. But I mean, when you walk over the, you know, over there at the Memorial Park, if you like, and and the building at the back where he was born, and then out at the road of the the footprint of the building that is is a new farmhouse his mother built when he was ten, and of course that was burned down by the Essex Regiment during the War of Independence. And uh, I do a lot of tours. We've been doing them now for as somebody pointed out to me yesterday, a quarter of a century. Mm. It's hard to believe. And and I've been over there on occasion with my own people and in Woodfield and and people that I didn't know have come up to me and said that they scattered the ashes of their loved ones over there. Ah. And and I know the same thing has happened over at Bairn Blah as well. And um, and then you have sites uh, you have the the famous uh, Sam's Cross up the road and the famous Four Oz pub and Michael Collins went in there the day he he was shot. And of course Peter Gwen who runs the establishment this year has um, commissioned a new stout called the Big Fella. Uh, to, to to kind of mark the, the centenary, and then you you have the Michael Collins' mother's birthplace across the road from the pub, and you have the the Seamus Murphy Memorial uh, there as well, which was unveiled by Tom Barry in 1965, which was remarkable because he taken the anti-treaty side in the Civil War, and yet was prepared all those years later to come back and uh, unveil a monument to Michael Collins. And then that day, of course, in, in 1965, one of the members of the committee up on the platform was uh, Tom Hales, who on the day of the ambush, was the anti-treaty commander at Bern the Blanc. So you have all these amazing stories. And, and then, of course, you have our own museum out here at Castleview, and we do three live presentations every day, and we have uh, one of the top collections in the country at this stage of memorabilia and personal items connected to, to Collins. And outside, we have a recreation of the ambush site with the military vehicles, full-size replicas and so on. And then you have the Michael Collins House down in Slanakilty, run by the council, and you have the... Um, they've, they've um, Recently, got on loan uh, some the diaries. diaries, yeah, yeah. As well. yeah. So there's, there's a lot of stuff, and then you have the um, uh, different sites around the town. Even uh, number twenty five Pierce Street, there is the ladies' fashion shop at the moment in Clonakilty. And Michael Collins went in there um, the day he was shot because he had heard two of his nieces were in there, Mary and Kitty Collins. They were ten and eleven, and uh, they'd been sent in by Johnny, Michael's brother, earlier on that morning to get uh, measured up for school uniforms. And of course, Michael had a tremendous love of his nephews and nieces, and he stopped the convoy at around half past six in Clannacilty that evening outside of number 25 Pierce Street, where the girls were waiting. And Michael went into the, the shop, and when one of them saw him coming, she started running around the kitchen table from him because he was always tickling them and so on. But eventually he caught her up anyway in his arms, Kitty Collins, age 10, and she was struggling and kicking, and she he was about to give her a big kiss in the cheek, and she said, put me down, Uncle Michael, I'm too old to be kissed. Ah. And she, he, he, um, he, he died two hours later. Oh, she regretted that, I imagine, in future years. 
Yeah, she she was she lives to be a ripe old age, and she always had always tugged at her heart ha- ha- ah, strings. Imagine that's what that was the last thing I said to Uncle Michael, ah, and and actually she, she wasn't would to know. The, she would become the, the mother of Nora Owen and Mary Benatti, yeah, the two former yeah, yeah. politicians, who are very very proud of their their links to uh, Michael Collins. By the way, you mentioned the redevelopment work that's going on at uh, Bale and Blaw. Uh, what what's your feeling on what they've done? Um, to be honest, I was over there the other evening uh, with a coach and, and um, we managed to get in to look at the site. Um, I'm, I'm a small bit concerned about maybe the parking area has been slightly restricted there for people pulling in. But look, uh, I, I, we, that's something that can be tweaked afterwards any if we need no, to. We have a number of listeners pointing that out as well, uh, Jim, because, you know, the council uh, tell us that, that, you know, part of their work was the installation of additional parking. And a number of listeners are pointing out that they, who know the area well, that there's less parking. Well, I actually sent in an email to the council Did in January when I saw the plans and I was a small bit concerned about that. Um, no, uh, when looking at Kilmichael Ambush site, I think there's a lot more parking there but, uh, than what appears to be in the new design of Bayern Law. But I, I'm sure I'm sure they'll want to get this weekend over with first and of all. And they can tweak. I've looked at it the other evening. There, there could be more space put um, um, at the, 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 we'll say the Bayern Law crossroad site for parking and also it, it could be extended up towards the band and in the, Yeah, as absolutely. Well. Um, absolutely. So they, they, they might have to tweak the whole thing slightly afterwards. Okay, and and what do you think Michael Collins would make of the Ireland of today? Well, uh, this one thing I would never do is try and speak for, for Michael Collins um, because he was such a complex figure and, and, and all of that. But uh, a lot of people have been asking me there over the last few days uh, what what is his legacy? And I think his legacy is this fantastic country we have. And um, I think I always ask myself the question, if he wasn't there as part of that fantastic generation that gave us our freedom, would we have what we have today? Yeah, you're right. He's a key figure. Could he have been done without? And and, and my opinion is that he couldn't. Uh, He was just this one, one of these leaders that comes along once every thousand years in the country's history, I think. And um, I think we need to remember him this weekend, commemorate him and, and celebrate his life as well, I suppose. And then never forget him because, and, and never forget that in, that entire generation. I'm even even listening to you talking about what, what he said to, to Kitty Kiernan, you know, apologising to her, this is this is my life. It's, it's just so hard for us to even realise that that's the way they had to live. Yeah. I mean, they were very I different can't... times. Definitely. And Michael Collins had a dog's life in Dublin during the War of Independence, going around from uh, different houses every night and, um, you know, at any moment he could be searched and so on. And, and he kept that kind of a life going for, um, you know, for a couple of years. And, and then even over in London afterwards during the treaty negotiations, he was still very concerned about his, his security. And even Sir John Laverley, who did his painting over in London, commented afterwards that while he was doing the, the painting, Michael Collins sat facing the door in Laverley's studio and he had a gun inside in his pocket. So, um, you know, mm. he, he paid, uh, he paid uh, Michael Collins a big price for, for his country and I suppose in the end paid, paid the ultimate price. Yeah, and somebody else is pointing out about, uh, about Michael Collins' connection to the Kerry Blue uh, Terrier. He wanted that to be the national dog of Ireland. That's right, yeah. and, and uh, there is actually a, a cup um, that uh, the Irish Kennel Club have that Michael Collins presented to them in 1922. I've actually touched it. I've seen have it. you? Yeah. And, and, and as well as that, uh, we do the, the, the final journey of Michael Collins here for visitors now and again, and 
there was a story that in the, the evening Michael Collins was shot, he just met Sean Hales down in the Munster Arms, you know, Dinley's hotel, hotel in Bandon, and the convoy was pulling up out of Kilbrogan Hill, and uh, Michael Collins uh, looked sideways, and there was a, a local woman, Annie O'Leary, and she was standing with a Kerry blue dog on a leash, and Michael Collins put his hand out over the side of the car, and he went to the dog, and he, they drove on. So we can be fairly sure one of the last dogs he would have seen before was a Kerry Blue. Was a Kerry Blue, and that that is appropriate. Shane said, "Wouldn't it be lovely if they had a big screen at Bail Nablaw on Sunday afternoon showing a speech given by the late Michael Collins?" It'd be, it would. Yeah, it'd be a lovely it touch. It'd be a lovely touch. How busy are you at the Michael Collins Centre, Tim? Uh, we're we're very bu- no, it's been a mixed season up to now. I, I think you know COVID is still affects a lot of Irish people have went abroad this year because obviously they've been confined to base for two years uh, but the last couple of weeks now have been very very busy and um, especially the last 10 days there it's been um, it, I get the same vibe as, as I we got back 20 years ago when we unveiled the statue down in Sonicilty when Liam Neeson came over and that was a that was a fantastic um, occasion so this is the same sort of a feeling about it I have to say Okay well listen it's uh, are you, will you be in Bale Blow on, on Sunday Tim you will? I will, and yeah. uh, we'll, we're also taking a coach. You now, it's fully booked out at 5 o'clock on, on Monday, the actual anniversary, mm-hmm. and we're we're heading west to Lissavard, and we're having a special mass there at half past five where in Mike Collins' local church where he used to go to mass. We're going over to the birthplace then at Woodfield to pay our, our respects, and we're driving to Bernard Blah, and we'll be there at half past seven, and we're going to remain there until quarter past eight, so we'll be actually there at the time 100 years on to the wow. minute that he was shot so I'm kind of looking forward to yeah, that Yeah that's an incredible thing to do it, it really is Listen Tim I could talk to you all day you are absolutely fascinating on this uh, subject so we thank you for taking time out uh, to join us um, today uh, Good morning to you My pleasure Thanks uh, Good morning Bye bye That is uh, Tim Crowley who runs the Michael Collins uh, Centre in Dara just outside Clan. 0818103103 John Paul taking your calls Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie and I promised that I would get an update for those people who are planning on travelling to Bail Nablaw for the centenary commemoration next Sunday so joining me is um, part of the organising committee that is Laura McGonagall uh, good morning to you Laura Hiya, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, and you're very welcome to the programme. Is it hard to put a figure, Laura, on the number of people that you expect will turn up next Sunday? Yeah, absolutely impossible. So, so it is anticipated that there are large crowds, but we have no idea that the number of people that might turn up. And if we look to, to previous commemorations for the for the 90th anniversary, we, we estimate that there was about three and a half thousand or four thousand people there on what was that particularly in Clement's day. Uh, when Enda Kenny gave the oration and, and looking at, at, at news reports on the Cork Examiner for the 50th anniversary, there was uh, reported to have been 10,000 people and 4,000 cars. And, and this weekend, people are estimating that there is anywhere between five and 15,000 people estimated to turn up. Yeah, yeah. And we, we, we have simply no idea of, of, yeah, of the, I, the numbers. For a while, people were saying, oh, up to 5,000. Then I heard people saying, oh, it'll be over 5,000. I think it'll be well. I think that up to 5,000 is, is a way under estimation. So it, it really is hard just to work out from a numbers point of view. So you do, you do have a park and ride uh, facility. We do. We do, absolutely. And, and to try to ensure everybody's safe enjoyment of the commemoration, we have um, worked really extensively 
over the last number of months with the guards, with the defence forces, with the civil defence, with Cork County Council and with the HSE. And in terms of you know, having access to the site, I don't know if you know the road itself, but it's particularly narrow and windy. Yeah. And, you know, if there was ever ever an incident there on the day that we would need to have a medical evacuation, we have planned for all of that. But in terms of people getting there, so the, the, the commemoration itself starts at 3pm. And as you know, both the Taoiseach and the Taunister are speaking this year. But we're advising people to arrive in plenty of time and we would advise you to have your car parked at 1.30pm. And we're also advising people to carpool. If you can take two or three people in the car with you, that would be preferable for us because parking isn't infinite there. And we're very grateful to the local landowners around uh, the monument who have so generously facilitated the commemoration over the last number of years. Uh, Edward Long, Dorgan Kiley, Sean Murray and especially to, to Kilmarie GAA who are assisting us this year with a, with a park and ride facility uh, in Crookstown, but also they're, they're lending us manpower uh, and up to 60 stewards to assist us on the day. So there, there are a number of access routes. So for anybody travelling from up the country, let's say, along the N22 and, and turning, turning left off the N22 and coming into Crookstown Village, there's a park and ride facility there uh, in the field opposite the post office in Crookstown. And that will be operational from early in the morning. We have 10 buses that will be running continuously from Crookstown Village uh, to the Diamond Bar in Bale Le There's a road closure then from, from the Diamond up to the Monument. So I suppose to emphasise as well to people that are considering travelling that, you know, there you will have to walk to the monument. Yeah, and I think uh, that's important for older people that might be attending, you know, absolutely. that you know, just to make people aware, y- yeah. there's no way you can just be dropped at the monument. No. You're going and, to have and to in, walk. And, and, and in previous years, people would have been used to doing that, to arriving early, and a number of cars would have got up to the monument, parked them, and would have been able to sit in the car. But simply because of the volumes of people that are anticipated on the day and because of the need to be able to get access if there is a medical emergency there, close to, to all vehicular access. So, and, and I suppose, so you will have to walk and also to, to, to say to people that, you know, you will be on your feet for a number of hours that day. And I think the best advice I can give to people is that if you wouldn't be able to stand on a bank for a county championship match, then I'd urge you to give consideration to watching uh, a live broadcast of proceedings on the RT News Now channel from the comfort of your own home. Um, I, I think people just need to be cognizant of the fact that they, that they that they will be on their feet for, yeah. for some time. And obviously there's, there's no seating and people no. need to dress for the weather. Exactly, and, and just because of the limitations of the site, and there has never been seating provided there, but just um, just to be aware that, yeah, uh, and dress for the weather. This time last week, we thought we might be in the, in the, the midst of a, another heat wave, and that our which wouldn't have been be. that wouldn't have been ideal to have that had that no, kind of, of weather, not. yeah, because you wouldn't want people dropping with sunstroke. Yeah, either, yeah. And it's, it's looking slightly inclement for for this weekend, but every every hour that I look at the the weather the the weather app seems to improve slightly. Yeah, so I mean, I just I just checked before you, you you came on. I mean, certainly the morning is is the best of it, but the afternoon while the cloud it will will increase, something like patchy rain and drizzle. I don't think there's going to be it's not going to book it down which is no, really uh, what you want manage that. Yeah. yeah and 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 the other thing i suppose is that the weather has been good for the last number of months so the ground is solid in terms of people parking in fields and all the rest of it that we won't be having to to pull people out with a tractor afterwards so i think all that is positive for us someone wants to know is the road closed for the full afternoon it is. It's closed from half past nine in the morning until after the commemoration. Okay, okay. And, and that has been done in consultation with the guards and Cork County Council that it's done officially. Quite special this year, the fact of the two orations, uh, Laura. Yeah, it is. Uh, and um, I think when the committee looks to identify speakers on any year, 
uh, no matter whether it's the 97th anniversary or the 101st next year, I'd like to think that we try to look for people who have a positive outlook on Ireland's future. And as a committee, I think our ambition in this centenary year was to be magnanimous and to bring us a step closer to reconciliation after those 100 years. Um, and uh, uh, the most tragic aspect, I think, of Michael Collins' death was that he was on a visit to Cork, the primary purpose of which was to try to bring an end to the civil war. And the fact that he was killed probably prolonged that war to the following summer and probably strengthened the divisions that emerged. So it was a big step for us uh, to invite both the Taoiseach and the Taunista and Michal Martin will be the first ever Fianna Fáil Taoiseach to address the Bail and the Blaw oration which we thought it was appropriate to be inclusive and we think there is some symbolic value to this year's commemoration. The Taoiseach and the Taunista are, I suppose, living examples of people who previously had differences and who have set those differences aside to work together. And that, in my view, is exactly what Michael Collins was trying to achieve uh, to bring sites together. And as a committee, we're always looking to take that step to um, the healing the wounds of the past. And I think it is very significant this year. OK, and the work that has been ongoing at the uh, site. Firstly, is it finished? Uh, yes, uh, I, I'm, I'm actually in Bandon now and I'm going to take a trip out. But I understand that the certificate of completion was signed off oh, yesterday. Great. So, and uh, the committee were there on Wednesday as well, meeting with the Defence Forces and the Civil Defence, just having a final run through everything. So there was about 40 people with all hands on deck clearing the site and making sure that it would be finished. Um, but we are hugely grateful to the Department of Defence, the Department of Antishik and also the Department of, um, of Tourism, Arts and Culture who funded the project, but more especially to Cork County Council who have managed the project and who have been really very respectful of, of the committee's views and in conserving the authenticity of the monument and the site. And I think uh, it has been undertaken in a really sensitive manner. And I, I think it's absolutely spectacular what has been achieved there. And I know what Cork County Council was saying that the aim of it, and I'm assuming the or the committee have felt the same way, mm. is to make sure that now when people go to Bailnablaw, you get an experience of what the landscape was like exactly. when the ambush yeah. happened. Yeah, and I suppose as a as a committee, we're sometimes guilty of looking at the monument solely in the context of the commemoration day. But the design team in Cork County Council very much wanted to make it an experience for visitors on the other 364 days of the year. And it is, and there's been an awful lot of work done there and even clearing the site and, and specifically for the commemoration as well. The field directly across the monument has been cleared as well to allow people to access that so that there's more room for people to stand. But it also gives a very clear view of where the sniper was who, who shot Michael Collins. Uh, and I think it's been a, a significant achievement for Cork County Council. OK, and it, and it future proofs, doesn't it, for the future generations yeah. to come? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, the, the, the monument that is there was, was erected in 1924 and, and our committee was established in, in 1965. Um, and a, a letter, actually, that, that one of our, our retired members, Ina Murphy, shared with me during the week uh, was from that original committee where they, uh, they wrote to those who might have been supporters or sympathisers of Michael Collins seeking funds, you know, for the improvement of the monument. But it also, it set out the raison d'etre of our committee, which was that up until that point, the commemoration had been very ad hoc. It had been organised by groups or individuals. And the committee at that time felt that there was a danger with the passing of time and world influence and the passing of those who had been close to Michael Collins that those efforts wouldn't be sustained to guard against that. And the committee was formed to ensure that his memory would be, uh, um, would be, um, would be sustained. But, but, the, but the monument itself has been maintained by our committee as well over the last number of years. And I, I saw a couple of comments on, on Twitter over the last couple of days to say that painted red brick was an unusual aesthetic. And uh, but we were very fond of the monument. 
uh, and the railings that were around it and that. But but it is it's it's absolutely world class now what has been achieved by Cork County Council there, and we're all very proud of it. And we think everybody else could be too when they see it on Sunday. Okay, and I know we have a, a short little video clip that uh, Michael Scanlon, our sports editor, went along yesterday and, and filmed for it for last night. Right. People can see that up on our social media. Listen, uh, Laura, uh, it is going to be a, a busy weekend, but I think a very meaningful weekend for everybody yeah. who's who will be lucky enough to get to Bale in the Blah. But as you say, for those that can't get there, they, there is a live broadcast of the commemoration on RT on the news yep. channel at three. Yep. In the meantime, Laura, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thanks, Patricia. Thank you for the opportunity. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is Laura McGonigal, one of the committee members uh, organising the Bail and the Blah commemoration, uh, centenary commemoration. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Today is our final day, giving you the chance to win with Specsavers Hearing. They're celebrating Ireland's reopening with tickets to great events and experiences. And we have tickets for you to win your way to Tommy Tiernan live at the Cork Opera House in October along with a friend plus a €100 Euro Greens restaurant voucher. I have an audio clip from Tommy Tiernan with the word missing. Let me play it with the word missing. There's a great uh, line from Bob Dylan song. I have nothing but a for all those who've sailed with me. <laughs> Do that again. There's a great uh, line from Bob Dylan song. I have nothing but a for all those who've sailed with me. Okay, what do you think that missing word is? A great line from a Bob Dylan song that Tommy Tiernan was quoting in uh, an interview. If you can work out what the missing word is, I need you to put the missing word along with your name and address, WhatsApp or text your answer, please. 0862 103 103. There's a great uh, line from Bob Dylan song. I have nothing but a for all those who've sailed with me. Okay, what is the missing uh, word? Get texting and WhatsApping. We'll leave it open for about 10 minutes and then from all of the correct answers and hopefully we'll get a lot of correct answers. We'll be able to pick our winner today, winning that prize with uh, Specsavers Audiology, bringing back the sounds you missed the most. And of course, remember, Specsavers have expert audiologists in your local Specsavers store. There's a great uh, line from Bob Dylan song. I have nothing but a for all those who've sailed with me. Okay, and while we are waiting on your entries, I can catch up with some of your comments coming into the programme on Michael Collins. Uh, Ross says, if Michael Collins had run this uh, country, Ross believes we would have a fairer society instead of an insular and restrictive one, which is not a nice way to describe the country in which you live, Ross, if that's the way you feel about the Ireland of today. Thank you for your text. Jim in Fomoy says, for people who have a genuine interest in Michael Collins and a genuine interest in commemorating the 100th anniversary of his death, then Jim uh, reckons people should put Irish flags out for Sunday or Monday is the actual official anniversary, but maybe for Sunday for the day of the commemoration, if you have a tricolour, you might consider it flying it and putting it maybe on your your roof or in your garden that might be a nice thing for people to do thank you for that Jim and then Colin Butterfield was on to say he's noticed but there's been a lot of commentary in the paper and a lot of talk in the paper about Michael Collins in the lead up to this centenary and he's noticed that some journalists when they're talking about what happened 100 years ago at Bail and that they use the word that Michael Collins was murdered Colin says at the end of the day it was a war situation it was a civil war that was going on he was armed so when it comes 
comes to war, you don't use the term murder. And he has spotted that. I, and I have to say, Colin, I haven't. I mean, I was even reading the piece that Own English has, has in today's Irish Examiner. We was talking about the finishing touches being put to the restored monument at uh, Bailen Law. He marks... He says that Bail and Blaw marks the site where Michael Collins was shot dead. And I've, that's how I've seen it, it's seen it written in print most of the time. It's either shot dead or the ambush that led to his uh, death. But um, according to, to Colm, he has seen that in print. I can't say that I have. Thank you for your call, uh, Colm. Oh, and Jackie in Bail and Blaw was on to say, Patricia, when you're talking about the restored monument, give a big shout out to all of the workers who have been working on that site. They've worked really hard and they were working this time last week when the heat wave was on and I had so much sympathy to any outdoor worker during that heat wave that we had uh, last week. So take a bow, all of the people that have been working on the restoration of that uh, site. Now, some other calls coming in and comments coming in. This is on, this was a text in from Heidi saying, Hi Patricia, listening to your programme and the many comments that are coming in from your listeners and how so many of them are fed up with the way they feel the government uh, is treating its voters. They also need to hear that the government is working for them even when it comes to taxes it's the poor lads and lassies that work their backsides off to keep money money coming in for the family and they're being taxed on every single penny the government should know that more money that's left in people's pockets then surely it's better for the economy because if you have more money in your pocket you will get out and spend it but when you stop and look it is demoralising with prices of everything rising it's time for the government to give its people a break and certainly anything any discussion that I've heard from any of the senior coalition members they're all talking about that they're all talking about the next budget that it has to focus on the rising the high rising in the cost of living and that it has to focus on helping everybody. I mean, obviously, a lot of focus goes on social welfare when we talk about budgets because, you know, traditionally in a budget, social welfare will always get an increase. But they certainly are talking about trying to help out. I mean, the squeezed middle, how often have we heard people talk about the squeezed middle? And there has been a lot of talk about trying to help out families, like they're talking about childcare costs, for example, something's going to be done there. I've heard mooted that one of the things that they're looking at is a double payment of the monthly child benefit, the children's allowance. They're talking about giving a double payment on that. That would directly help families because every anyone who has a child uh, receives the monthly child benefit. So that would be welcomed by a lot of people. Leo Varadkar for ages has been talking about the 30% tax rate, saying that's what's needed for workers who feel that they're being taxed too much, even though I've seen the argument against the 30% tax rate and that the 30% tax rate will help the middle and high earners. It won't help the just under middle income earners or the lower earners because if you don't earn enough money to be taxed at 40% a reduction to 30% is of no use to you so there's two and four there's both sides of that argument on whether we need to have a a tax rate of 30% or not so Heidi I do think I, I do think that they're all working very hard to put the next month's budget together but I do think there is going to be something there for everyone will there be enough there for everyone only time will tell but thank you for your 
uh, WhatsApp to the programme. And then Jim, rather tongue in cheek. And uh, Jim can send in some very funny WhatsApps to the programme. This one made me smile this morning. Jim says, Patricia, getting old is not such a bad thing. I had to make an appointment for the dentist. My appointment was made for the 17th of October, but I was told I'd be put on a cancellation list. And guess what? I got a call yesterday to go in and see my dentist. Now, I discussed with the dentist price. To fill a tooth, 70 euro. To extract a tooth, 80 euro. So, dentist took a look at the tooth that was playing up and was told it needs to be extracted. Jim says, I told him, you filled that tooth two years ago. And the dentist says, yes, I did fill it, but the filling has fallen fallen out. Nothing else I can do now except extract it. So, Jim says, but I said, I wouldn't be having to pay again if you had taken it out two uh, years ago. So... (laughs) I take it you didn't get anywhere with that, Jim. Anyway, uh, Jim says, Patricia, at 73 years of age with another gap in my mouth, nobody will really comment on that any uh, more, says Jim. But the poor old dentist was trying to save your tooth for as, lo- for as long as he could. But yeah, frustrating. Only two years ago you paid to have it filled. Filling fell out and now you have to pay to get it extracted. My heart goes out to you and like all of us, we all dread going to the dentist. Irish Water, by the way, I've been back on about the Montanotti water supply. This was something I started with at the I think it was at the very start of the programme this morning it was a call in from Eleanor Montanotti who was picking up on the fact that on our news this morning we had mentioned that the South Douglas Road area there was a discoloration on water and that Irish Water were looking into it and Eleanor got on and said well when they're looking into that will they ever take a look at the water in Montanotti because Eleanor reckoned for the last two weeks when you turn on the tap in Montanotti they have discoloration in their water Irish Water and Cork County Council have come back to say they are aware of increased reports of discoloured water in the Montanotti area of Cork City Irish Water and Cork County Council are carrying out investigations in the area to identify the source of the issue and they're undertaking remedial actions as appropriate now they're not saying that there's anything they've obviously done the tests on the water they're not saying that there's anything wrong with the water that you can't drink the water for example they're not haven't put a boiled water notice uh, in place they're just saying they're looking they're looking into it if there's any remedial works they will do it 0818103103 John Paul taking your calls text or whatsapp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. There is a talk going on in Bandon Town Hall uh, tonight. It will be given by Vincent Duggan. And Vincent will present a talk on the arrival of Angartha Siakona in Bandon. The North Cork Stroke Support Group are holding flag days today in Donnerail, Mitchellstown and Charleville. And next Friday, the North Cork Stroke Support Group will have a flag day in the town of Mallow. Bingo in Mallow GAA Complex is on tonight at 8.15. They have a jackpot of €2,400 in 44 calls. 50-50 draw on the night. All funds raised going to the running of the juvenile and senior teams in Mallow GAA Club for the year and to upgrade pitches and dressing rooms in the complex. Bantir Makra are hosting a field evening tomorrow evening in aid of Marymount Hospice. It'll be in Healy's Bar in Kilcorny. It's tomorrow afternoon, kicking off at 3pm. There'll be plenty of activities for all the family and it'll be followed by music. Tully Lees Community Development are hosting a family fun day and fundraiser for the development of their community hall. That's happening on Sunday in the community GAA field between 12 and 3pm. We'll be like music, barbecue, kids' tractor run. Bring your 
petrol vehicle police and lots more fun spot prizes and baked goods are needed and they can be dropped into Tully Lee's community hall tomorrow Saturday between 3 and 5 Court today on C103 with Corrigan Insurance's McCroom now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie now what has been described as the largest urban event commemorating the life and times of Michael Collins will be taking place in the town of Clonakilty tomorrow and joining me with details is Anne Kingston who is the PRO of the Michael Collins Commemorative Committee. Good afternoon to you, Anne. Good afternoon, Patricia. It's absolutely fantastic to be here and the show has been amazing. I've really enjoyed listening to all the different um, aspects of Michael Collins' life there from Tim Coffey and, um, you know, from Bill Nablaw and all the rest. Oh, of well, thank, really th- thank you for that. I have to say I've, I've really enjoyed it and Tim is somebody I could stay listening to all day. Oh, sure he's don't just, I know. He's and fantastic. so much content there. Yeah. It's unreal. It's, yeah. it's, it's brilliant. Now, brilliant. You, uh, you, your committee very much wants to commemorate and to concentrate on the non-military aspects of Michael Collins' uh, life. Absolutely, because a lot of the time we're looking at the death of Michael Collins, you know, when we think of him, and that's what's going to be happening in Bail Nablaw, and rightly so. But what we want to look at are, is the life and times of Michael Collins, and we want to look at other aspects of his life. So we want to look at him as a child, we want to look at him as a teenager, as a man who was, you know, who was sending, I mean, there's 300 love letters sent between himself and Kitty Kiernan. Um, and that was in the space of a very short time when he was negotiating um, the treaty over in London. Um, we want to look at him as the local politician. You know, he came to Clannacilty on the 15th of um, June um, in advance of the election which was held the following day to, um, to canvas and to campaign to, um, to look for votes really from the local people. So in, in what we're going to do is we're going to have a pageant and a parade from outside Super Value right through the town to M Square where Nora Scannell and the Kilmeen Drama Group and um, some of her own actors um, in her own drama school have put together the most moving and the most poignant scenes from his life as a child, as a young boy in school in Lissabard, um, as uh, the, the, the teenager who sat the um, post office exam in the old school in Mokulee, which is now the Paris Centre. Mm. And I suppose one of the most moving things I find is the speech that he delivered, and that's going to be delivered by John O'Leary again, and it's going to be reenacted. Um, the speech that um, that was delivered um, in advance of the election, looking yeah, for both the people and Clannacilty. What, what I love is, I mean, you're walking on the streets where Michael Collins once walked. This is it, and I mean, originally that speech took place outside O'Donovan's hotel. So it, it is absolute, and he actually lived in Clannacilty for a while with his sister. So what we're asking the people of Clannacilty and the, the the hinterland to do is to dress up, if possible, or just to give a nod. Um, to that period in time. And I mean, all you have to do is cut up an old lace curtain and put on a bit of lace <laughs> on your coat and on your collar. It's easy, and it's easy. Neck, and, you know? and the men, I always felt, a hundred years ago, were always so smartly dressed. They Most always were smartly dressed. Yeah. But if you don't have the smart dress, you can also dress up as the fellow who was out on the farm with the yeah, yeah. hat and the sharp pants. You can, you know, yeah. a bit of binder twine around your waist if you don't absolutely, have a belt. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And you know, in some places, that really hasn't changed that much. So we just want to kind of create that visual aspect, that atmosphere, that context in which this drama can take place. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a pageant from um, uh, Super Value right through the town. Okay. Um, there's going to be vintage cars, Model T Fords and all of that that were um, of the period. They're going to be there as well. And um, those who are in costume are invited to take part in that pageant. If they don't want to, they can go down to Emmett Square. But anybody who is in costume will have priority access 
to Emmett Square to see this wonderful production that Nora has done. Mm-hmm. Now, the production isn't that long because we know that, you know, um, we're dependent on the weather and we're dependent on, there's such a huge programme going on on the day. So it'll be about 40 minutes long, but the brass bands are going to be playing after that. We have a symposium of really distinguished speakers in the parish centre. And there, and Mary Kenny is going to speak about his faith. You know, how, he was quite a religious man and went to Mass daily. And even in London, when he was writing the love letters back to Kiernan, he'd talk about maybe the day he was late for Mass because he didn't get the car on time mm. or, there were, you know, he was intercepted on the way to Mass or, you know, whatever. And so she's going to talk about his faith and his relationship with Lady Lavery. Um, and who, of all, course, loved Michael Collins. Absolutely loved Michael. But who didn't? Yeah, you know, even yeah. even 100 years on, don't we all love him? Like, you know? Yeah, and, um, and, he, and such a good-looking man. He was a good-looking man. Yeah. He was so charismatic. And he was a bit of a divil as well. He had that wit and he had that divilment about him. You know, that, that was very attractive as well. Um, so he... Um, so if, if, if she... If, um, Mary Kenny will deliver that. You'll also talk about his relationship with the GAA. We're going to talk about his relationship with the GAA. No, like he himself and um, Harry Boland poked around the ball in, in Croke Park, I think, at one of the finals that was held there. But when he was interned in Frangoch, and I kind of have, I suppose, personal access to knowledge about this because um, in my husband's family, um, his, his grandfather was, was um, interned while Michael Collins was there. But they had a recreation area there, you know, where they used to go out and have their, where they used to walk around, um, um, you know, to get their exercise. And they used to call that Croke Park. And they used to go around and they used to kick around whatever they could use to make a football, football there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, to 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 um to 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 kind of um to, to to kick around and play Gaelic out there. So he was hugely interested in the GA and there's going to be a replaying ceremony at a quarter to three, just after the parade has finished and as people are assembling in Emmett Square, um a member of um, Michael Collins' family, Morris Collins, who would be his um grand nephew, he is going to lay a wreath um, with um, the chairman of the county board, of the GA county board, at the statue here in Llanacilty. Oh, so, so you, um, really, you really have a lot. And, and I saw, I, I'm sure I saw on your press release, you're hoping to reenact some of the iconic photographs that were taken. Uh, uh, that, uh, that's a lovely, lovely idea. It is a lovely idea. And there's no one always doing that in, um, in, in Emmett Square. So there's, we're going to freeze on, on you know, certain, certain photographs and certain certain iconic, um, I suppose, images that we have of Michael Collins um, from, from... Actually, there's quite a vast range of photographs yeah. at the time. Incredible, you know, yeah. And for a man who was trying to kind of stay incognito and who was on the run... There's a lot of photographs yeah. of him, yeah. yeah and actually, is. it's very interesting. There's a description given of him, you know, in, in the British tabloids, like, and it kind of describes him as, you know, a tall, blue-eyed, you know, fair-haired man. Um, and that was about as much of a description as they could give. I mean, it could describe probably 50% of the population who were in, in London at the time, you know. Indeed. But, um, but and, they didn't actually have any photographs. And you got all the local schools involved. They've all been doing their best. They have. Um, and the local schools have been fantastic. And it was just actually even going around to the collective projects from the schools. And there was such um, such an excitement about having learned about the life of Michael Collins and about having learned about a local hero and a local person in history. That, you know, um, I mean, so many people, I think it's one of the wonderful things about um, this kind of life and times of Michael Collins and Clannacilty is we have so many relatives, you know, of Michael Collins and of his neighbours and of his friends of the time. And everyone has a story to tell or everybody knows somebody who knows somebody who, you know, had a, who had a connection with Michael yeah, Collins. Yeah. So in the schools as well, that, that was very tangible. And um, they're up on the shop fronts in Clannacilty. I mean, the, the businesses in Clannacilty from the point of view of sponsorship and just providing window space 
for these projects have been absolutely amazing. And there's some beautiful, like really diverse um, projects. You know, it was a visual arts and historical um, integrated project is what we asked for. So, you know, there's lovely constructions. There's a lovely timeline in Blue's window. If you can see, they, you know, they, they have made, they've made various constructions of iconic times in his life in London. There's a kind of an iconic structure, or a little structure um, made out of toothpicks, actually, of Bailnablaw itself. You know, in Noel Alice's window, we have um, Kilgaris presentation, which is, um, they actually made a little video. So they have an audio-visual um, with subtitles in the window, and they also have um, clay constructions. Knox did the same. That's in Harrington's window. Down in Options Boutique, we have a presentation from Clagock. So go around Clannacilty and look in the shop windows, and you'll and see the yeah, children's ideas. Yeah, which is brilliant. Uh, and, and you know, they're the future generations. They're the ones that we want to carry and on the, the memory of what we're commemorating. Absolutely. And the thing about this, Patricia, is we have to capture all of this now. And we really want to take a lot of photographs on the day of people dressed up in period costume and of this commemoration. Because this then is going to be kind of held for the next generation. Mm -hmm. And these stories and these um, reenactments and and this history is going to be sort of, if you like, it's going to be documented and it's going to be held. Well, for, it's, the, it's there for another 100 years when they're doing the 200th uh, commemoration. They can say, well, this is what they did 100 it's years ago. So very, know, very we much were... for local people um, and but very much for visitors to the town to, oh, to get involved. Absolutely. So if you don't want to get dressed up, you know, just come and see the spectacle anyway. Yeah. But we really are encouraging as many people because it is great fun. And, you know, the best thing to do, I found myself now from for the reenactment on the 15th of June, get in contact with a few friends and say, come on, let's give it a go. Let's have the let's have a crack off it. Yeah. And it really is good fun because okay. you really do feel part of the part of the event and part of the celebration and part of history, really. Okay. Because we are and making history. Today, enjoy. You know? It sounds like it's going to be a special day uh, indeed happening in Clonakilty from it's, 2 o'clock yeah, tomorrow. Listen, yeah, Anna, really appreciate you taking time out to talk to us. Thank you for that. And thank you for having Thanks me. Thanks for joining us. Bye okay. bye. That is bye-bye. Anne Kingston, who's PRO of the Michael Collins Commemorative Committee in Clonakilty with a special day planned uh, tomorrow. 0818 103 103. Our Tommy Tiernan competition in association with Specsavers Hearing celebrating Ireland's reopening with tickets to great events and experiences and they've very kindly given us tickets to get one of our listeners along with a friend of their choice to see Tommy Tiernan live at the Cork Opera House in October plus a 100 euro greens restaurant voucher. This was the missing word. A uh, line from Bob Dylan's song I have nothing but a for all those who've sailed with me. What was it missing? There's a great uh, line from Bob Dylan's song I have nothing but affection for all those who've sailed with me. I have nothing but affection for all those who sailed uh, with me. And somebody, as Sam has pointed out, it's from uh, Mississippi by Bob uh, Dylan. And our winner today is, drumroll, don't have a drumroll, but dun, 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 Avril McDonnell in Dug- Douglas. Congratulations, Avril McDonnell in Douglas. You are heading to see Tommy Tiernan live at the Cork Opera House in October along with a friend and 100 Euro Greens restaurant voucher. Specsavers of course have expert audiologists in your local Specsavers store. Specsavers all geology bringing back the sounds you missed the most and our thanks to Specsavers. We've had fun with this competition all week. 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls. 
You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. We go to the movies with Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. Uh, you're very welcome. Now, we uh, saw two movies first this week. The first one is called Nope, and the second is called The Duke. And we have a trailer from Nope. Did you see a UFO in that cloud? Yep. Nope. I ain't never seen. Yep. Nothing like this. Nope. Nope. Something out here. Yep. Yeah, nah, nah, nah. Run! Holy hell. Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. Nope. 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 This man. It's not what you think. Okay, we're looking at what, sci-fi horror movie here? Exactly what it is, yeah. It's a mix uh, between the two. Um, It's written and directed by Jordan Peele, who uh, brought us Get Out. I don't know if you saw Get Out at all. Uh, He brought us Us, and this is kind of the third film that he's written, produced and directed. I really quite liked Get Out. Us, I thought it was kind of average. I thought it was okay. And um, you can see that with this film, how well the previous two films had done. Uh, because uh, the um, you can see that there's a lot of money has been sp- uh, you know spent on this film. It's a bigger film uh, than uh, those previous two films, which were kind of two kind of very small kind of kind of creepy kind of movies. This, on the other hand, it's kind of uh, Jordan Peele's kind of um, his, his, his nod to the, the films of like John Carpenter and Spielberg. And uh, he said he was very influenced when he was making the film by Close Encounters and Jaws and films like that. And you can see all that. It's on the screen. It's also very, I don't know if you saw a film a few years ago called Cowboys and Aliens, uh, which had Daniel Craig. Oh, I did, yeah. And it's it's all kind of very, it's it's like all of these kind of influences uh, kind of all together, kind of pinned together uh, on screen. Uh, It's about uh, this young man played by uh, Daniel Kaluuya. And uh, he is one of these people, he's a horse wrangler and he provides horses to uh, Hollywood, to the the studios. Uh, But uh, his career isn't doing very, very well. And uh, he's beginning to lose money, and so therefore he's beginning to kind of sell off a, a lot of his horses. And then one one day, uh, his father is on one of his best horses, and this very very strange kind of noise appears, and this wind appears, and his father falls off the horse. They find that in fact whatever was in his pockets had been sucked out of his pockets, and then almost kind of catapulted into him. And so he ends up with a coin inside behind his eye. And one of those keys in his uh, pocket, for example, becomes embedded into the horse. And so um, the thing is, though, is that at no stage are the police kind of called. At no stage does he kind of question this. So this is where the kind of film for me kind of lets it down. At no stage do the doctors say, well, how could he possibly have this coin in the back of his eye? And so, and for me, these are the kind of questions that um, I'm kind of constantly asking when I'm watching it. Um, Do you remember the Amityville horror at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
CCTV operator, he decides that if they can get film of this odd kind of spaceship type uh, thing in the sky, um, well, they'd be able to sell it and maybe earn some money and he'd be able to buy some of his horses back. Um, the film's kind of in two halves. I mean, the first half of the film is very creepy. It's almost kind of very, very horror-like. And then halfway through the film, it's almost as if Jordan Peele says, nope, that's the end of that. We're now going to turn it into Close Encounters. And that's actually when it becomes like a very, very old-fashioned Spielberg film. It becomes really kind of entertaining and funny and exciting. There's a great soundtrack. Uh, there are spaceships. Uh, you know, you got Daniel Kaluuya on a horse, so it's very like Cowboys versus Aliens. So there are two very, very kind of different sections to the film, which is very odd, because some of the stuff in, in the first hour is genuinely creepy. I mean, the hair did stand up on the back of my neck. There's an opening sequence, for example, which is uh, one of the strangest things I've ever seen. And that does capture you. That does bring you into the film. You think, oh, I want to know about this. Uh, there is a storyline about um, a man who runs a kind of a rodeo just outside Hollywood. And um, and his backstory is that he was a kind of a child actor. And um, his backstory is kind of related to that very strange, weird kind of sequence at the start of the film. Halfway through the film, it's almost like Peel went, well, I'm bored of that story. We won't even bother with that. Now let's go and let's have our... Um, uh, kind of Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, our Spielberg, our Close Encounters of the Third Kind type of film. And it is very exciting. But unfortunately, for me, the film isn't as good as kind of people say it is, because I just think it's just all over the place because of that, for that reason. I mean, last week I reviewed a film called Prey with John Paul, and it was 100 minutes. And uh, I said, look, it was the most solid kind of film I've seen in a very, very long time. We see so many kind of bloated kind of movies that are way too long and they just go all over the place. Uh, this is two hours and 10 minutes long. It could have done with a bit of cutting. But when this is good... And it's exciting, it's great and entertaining. When it's creepy, it is very creepy. But unfortunately, the whole thing for me just didn't come together and it could have done for me with, uh, with a bit of editing. OK, so mark it out of 10. Nope. I still give it a seven, though. Seven out of ten. OK, worth, yeah. worth, worth a watch. Now, your second movie is called The Duke and this is described as a, as a comedy slash drama. But I've been reading up on this. Is, is this based on a true story? It's funny that you should say that because when I was watching it, I didn't know it was based on a true story. And I kind of wish that I knew that it was. Okay. Because I spent a lot of the time watching this film in disbelief, which kind of actually kind of ruined almost my kind of enjoyment of the film because I just spent the whole time going, oh, come on, really? And it's all true to life. I mean, it's extraordinary. And I wish I'd known that. So I'm going to say to people, if when you're watching it, I think you'll enjoy it better knowing that what you're watching. Sure. Look, there's artistic license here. It has to be. There has to be. There always is when it comes to kind of films like this. But the premise of this movie did happen. Exactly. Yes. I mean, it's basically the film is about this man. Uh, who has the most English name I've ever heard, Kempton Bunton. Uh, the film is kind of um, set in the early 60s. And Jim Broadband plays uh, this man uh, who is he's kind of 
he has kind of political kind of dreams. He's a very, very smart, intelligent man, and uh, he's a taxi driver. Uh, he loses his job as a taxi driver because he won't accept money from veterans. And so because of that, then he gets fired. But he's campaigning for um, uh, pensioners to not pay the TV license. And in fact, uh, when the TV license inspectors come to his house, he pull, pulls out the part of the, the old TV in the early, this is based in the early 60s, by the way, that can receive the BBC, for example. And his argument is, I can't get the BBC, I can only get ITV, which is a commercial organisation, so therefore I don't need to pay my television licence. And so he goes to jail because of that. All of this is all true. Um, but then he's watching TV one night and he sees a report on this um, this painting by Goya and uh, of the Duke of Wellington. And he reads that the National Gallery in London uh, wants to keep it in Britain because some American uh, billionaire wants to buy it. So the British government decide to buy it at a cost of something like 140,000, which back in 1961 was a great deal of money. And he considers that to be an insult. He considers that to be an insult to the pensioners of Britain who can't afford to pay their TV license. So he decides to steal it from the National Gallery. <laughs> and um, and he does. And um, then he decides, well, well, what's he going to do with it? Well, he decides that he'll ask for about the same price, about 140,000. And he intends then giving that to pensioners so that they can uh, pay for their TV license. And so it's, do you know what this is? This is one of the, these kind of British films that they do very, very well. We see an awful lot of them. These very, very sweet kind of warm-hearted kind of genuine kind of films. I mean, you, you know, films like Eddie the Eagle. Do you remember a few weeks ago, I, I reviewed the film uh, Phantom of the, Op yeah. uh, of the Open yeah, yeah. about the man who kind of inveigled his way into the British Open even I, though I he'd never played it was, golf. It a, yeah, great movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that too was based on a true story. And here again, and uh, it's very, very similar. It's got that kind of very heartwarming kind of sweet kind of uh, uh, movie making that uh, the, the, the British are very, very good at. And so it's just an absolute delightful kind of film from start to finish. Jim Broadband, as you'd expect, is absolutely terrific because let's face it, he always is. His wife here is played by Helen Mirren. She too is absolutely terrific and of course completely and utterly kind of exasperated by him. Uh, but again, like uh, the Phantom of the Oban, the, the main character there, uh, you know, it, once again, he's kind of portrayed as a very, very sweet kind of gentle, kind of uh, warm-hearted, uh, genuine man. And of course you like him and uh, you want the best for him and um, and so from start to finish like phantom of the open like eddie the eagle it's just an absolute delight terrific acting and there's one terrific moment where um he decides to go to london and they obviously used old stock footage of london and they mat him into it and that's a beautiful sequence and it looks absolutely terrific so the performances are great and i loved it and like a lot of these movies i loved eddie the eagle i love phantom of the open and i also love this as well and if you like those you, you will love this, this. i saw somebody describe it as a gentle british comedy drama at its best I just thought and, that yeah, was... It's, it's, it's what they do very well. Gorgeous yeah. description, gorgeous description. Okay, it's simply entitled The Duke. Mark it out of 10, The Duke. I'll give it nine. Nine out of 10. Okay, well worth yeah. watching. Okay, listen, Mark, thank you for that. And we'll chat to you again next week. I'll talk to you then. Thank you. Bye bye. That is uh, Mark Malone, our movie a reviewer. Now, Canturk Fire Brigade has asked us to mention that on Saturday week, Tomorrow week, 27th, they're holding a family open day at their new station in Canturk. There will be a car cutting demonstration. You'll be able to get a walk around the station. You'll be able to sit in a fire engine. Oh, some of the little boys and girls will love that. You can meet the crew, face painting, a chance to look around the ambulance and, and the guards' cars. There'll be raffles, hot and cold drinks and snacks. They'll hold a bucket collection on the day and all of the proceeds are going to the local community area. 
Fire Ambulance. So that's Cantor Fire Brigade with a special family open day and that is happening tomorrow week, Saturday, 27th of December. Uh, somebody's pointing out when someone was saying you shouldn't use the word murder because it was a war situation when talking about Michael Collins. Uh, somebody says, Patricia, the correct terminology is Michael Collins was assassinated at Bail and Blaw. He also, by the way, was the First Minister for Finance on in this country. Okay, that's where we thank you for that. That's where we leave it for today and indeed for this week. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards with you for the afternoon. Talk to you Monday morning at 10 on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.